I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help with the aid of my favorite wrestling show. This is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start. And current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time. This week... We clothesline the episode of NXT that originally aired on May 8th, 2014 over the top rope in an attempt to imitate the final spot from the main event of that very same episode. But of course, if you've seen that episode, you know that we can only properly imitate that spot if there's three of us. And for an episode this fucking ridiculous, we had to call in the one, the only, the horny Claire Mulcairn. So, wait, I'm the horny one? <laughs> we established that it's one of you. <laughs> I know I'm a horny one, and in my heart I feel I am the horny one, but... <laughs> well, but we could have a triple threat match to determine which of us is the horny one. <laughs> now, when you say match... <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 51 of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. Last episode, for the first time in our coverage, NXT had two women's matches, and we were overjoyed. And this week, we get two women's matches again. Our cups, regardless of size, runneth over. (laughs) And when your cups runneth over, you need somebody to jump in with their cups and help catch the overflow. Otherwise, you need to get a mop, and it's a whole thing. (laughs) I fucking hate mopping. (laughs) Which is to say, we are very pleased to welcome to the next wrestling fan, our beloved co-podcaster in crime, Claire, Stormtongue, but also many other monikers to more accurately reflect her diverse personality traits because she contains multitudes, Mulcairin. I do contain multitudes. (laughs) One of them being moderate curiosity about wrestling sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, funny you should mention that. We're very happy to have you on the show, Claire. This has been a long time coming. Oh, is this a wrestling show? Are we going to talk about wrestling? I mean, Sometimes. we're going to try. Oh, a wow. little bit? I'm so curious about that. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is Claire's first time on The Next Wrestling Fan, and when we have a guest on for the first time, it is traditional to ask them about their personal experiences with pro wrestling. And uh, in this case, I'm very curious to hear what Claire's understanding of pro wrestling has been, because I know that you're a person who, even if you don't necessarily engage or enjoy all of pop culture, you're usually aware of it in some fashion. It's it's complicated. Um, (laughs) I've had a lot of positive experiences engaging with things that are about wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Okay. Like one of my favorite video games when I was in like high school and college was WWE Raw. I played the hell out of that with my brother, Dan. By the end of like having played it for a very long time, I essentially had like an entire stable of like OCs that I had made and used them to the point where all of the other characters, it's kind of like it's like a simulation aspect, had like dropped in popularity. And it was just all my weird, like, this guy's a cowboy, 
this guy's like a voodoo doctor or something. These people <laughs> yes. are all Power Ranger like analogs and uh and really enjoyed that. And I was like, oh, wrestling's kind of cool. And then I like I watched a little bit of Raw and it was probably like oh. 2010 mm. or something. Mm. And oh, first mistake. No. <laughs> and I watched a few episodes and I'm like, no, I think I'm good. Yeah. Can't blame and then me. I've watched a lot of other wrestling like things that I've enjoyed a lot. I love the movie The Wrestler, for instance. Right. I think it's freaking great. And I also really like Glow. It's like one of my favorite TV shows. Mm-hmm. Steven Universe. Also, yes, very important uh, is the they have a couple episodes of Steven Universe about pro wrestling because uh, their town has like a little indie like pro wrestling federation in it. Yeah. Um, and... I introduced Miles to Steven Universe by sitting him down and making him watch the wrestling episode of Steven Universe called Tiger Millionaire. And that is it was correct. enough to get him to watch the rest of Steven Universe, which is now one of his favorite shows. And then the, my other experience with wrestling is listening to the next wrestling fan. Right. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> been how I've learned a lot about wrestling. I am a, what is it, new wrestling fan who doesn't know where to start? I'm one of that's them. That's right. Yes. <laughs> so, uh yeah so i've i've learned a lot about wrestling in general and nxt in particular from listening to this and it was interesting watching this episode that we watched because now i know what all these people look like because <laughs> i just heard <laughs> been hearing all of their names and <laughs> it's just been like an audio drama in my brain i know that you became friends with miles probably through dan yes i am curious if in the course of your relationship with miles what wrestling Miles has, because I don't doubt for a second that Miles has sat you down to thrust wrestling upon you. <laughs> what? what? I, I know. Would... As if Miles would use his social time with friends to, oh. as a Trojan horse to promote wrestling. Dude, I fucking, when, when I know someone's coming over, <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to put it on. <laughs> oh, I just happened to be watching this wrestling before you got here. I guess I'm just going to keep watching it while you're here with you in the room. <laughs> I, do you remember anything that Miles has exposed you to? Is there anything that stands out? Or is it all a blur of there was stuff happening, but I don't really know what it was? <laughs> uh, there have been a couple times when I was hanging out with Miles where he put on some Lucha Underground. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I can understand from his perspective why he thinks that would be a type of wrestling that I would be into. Because it's got mm-hmm. like kind of weird fantasy elements it's like a lot stranger and it's mortal Kombat. it's mortal Kombat. yeah How, however the thing that i realized after watching a few episodes is it's like watching cutscenes in mortal Kombat, and then yeah. i don't actually get to play the game yeah because the acting is fine the writing is yes. okay Agreed. but i'm also like the biggest thing that will turn me off while watching anything is like shoddy screenwriting and like so so i i feel like that that was a bit of a hindrance and like i wanted to like it and i tried very hard and i kind of did like it (laughs) yeah claire has always been very tolerant of my attempts to show her wrestling over the years and she always seems to come away from it with uh at least you know before we started the show i remember every time i tried to show claire wrestling she sat there she watched it she recognized that it was a thing she didn't have that much to say about it (laughs) I like bad writing. I mean, I don't, I don't, I enjoy it as a different category of writing. So I don't have the same allergic reaction to it as Miles knows. So here's the thing. I have my trash. Um, sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. My trash is Power Rangers, which is awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so 
But I was thinking about this because Miles has rest like Bob has like romance novels. And you've talked before about how they're in many ways quite similar. Mm hmm. And I feel the same way about like Tokusatsu and or Sentai that I watch. Uh, which, oh, yeah. You know, um, I realize is is very similar in a lot of ways, you know, to wrestling in that like a lot of it revolves around fights. There's a lot of storytelling that happens in fighting and things like that. Often maligned. Yes, often maligned. Yeah. Often for good reasons, but yeah, yes, is- <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I would say that romance novels are unfairly maligned. Well, that's fair. That's well, wrestling fair. is usually very fairly maligned. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, as is Power Rangers. But like, there's also some really good stuff in there, and I could explain like some of my favorite characters or story arcs and get all full full of feelings and you know all that stuff. Oh man, yeah, yeah. Don't get me started on Power Rangers Time Force or Power Rangers RPM, like. I could go all day. So I think that for those reasons, I I have a, a good amount of... I'm not here to talk trash, you know? And I still right. do want mm-hmm. to like wrestling. Um, I think one of the, the things so far, it's sort of like... Like, I really like mushrooms a lot. And other people don't. And they're like, eh, it's like the mouthfeel. It's just like the mouthfeel isn't right. And I'm like, but the flavor. And they're like, yeah, but the mouthfeel. And I think right. the, mm-hmm. the, the thing with wrestling, the part that I don't like, is I don't think I enjoy masculinity as a concept mm. and i think being trans might be an element of this but yeah. like mm-hmm. macho-ness and like shirtless sweaty dudes being all like aggro and fighting for dominance and like generally that's oh. like yeah it's bad mouthfeel i need to show you 2019 war games so badly what's that it's a four-on-four women's wrestling match that's amazing with a woman who could lift you up in one arm and carry you away, and she's very goth. Claire is aware of the existence of Rhea Ripley because I've, I've been sending Claire pictures of Rhea Ripley for like two years. Miles is setting up a... He has thirst traps for all of us for <laughs> wrestling. And he's like, here, do you want to see a pretty lady? I have not watched any Rhea Ripley matches, but I have watched many of her gifts on loop and just yep. stared stared into her eyes and stared into her muscles. I think that when Miles has tried to show me Lucha Underground, the missing element from normal wrestling was not necessarily the writing. It's just too much dude juice yeah. in well, the mix. That's the, thing, like, that's the thing about Lucha Underground. Lucha Underground's great. You know what there's not very much of in Lucha Underground? Women. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I should have thought of that. And what I should have done is showed you a bunch of shimmer. <laughs> this all leads into one question that I did have for you, Claire, before we get sure. going. You have an art background. You tend to really enjoy getting into like the mechanics of stories and storytelling and how things work and how media works. So I'm curious, given the wrestling you've seen so far, either back in the day or the NXT that you've watched for this episode or whatever, what's the most interesting thing to you about wrestling? Like, what part oh, of wrestling yeah. grabs you, if or if any? If I thought about this a bit more on a different day, I might have a different yeah. answer. This is my answer today, off the cuff. Okay. I am really intrigued about the idea of telling stories and conveying character through action. Weirdly enough, I, listening to an interview with the screenwriter for the movie 1917, <laughs> which was that, like, World War One movie that's all filmed in one shot like in a pseudo way it's the sam mendes movie yeah it's extremely good first of all um mm. and she was talking about screenwriting and she said that one of the basically the biggest thing that you have to do as a screenwriter like one of the hardest jobs is you have to find ways to take a character's inner psychology 
and translate that into actions that they take in the world that people can see so that they can understand their psychology. And that sounds very simple. You know, like, oh, obviously, like, it's one of those things, like, once you hear it, it's very simple. But, like, that's what a huge percentage of writing is, is, like, okay, they're feeling this, they're doing this, like, they are this kind of person, they have these beliefs. How does that translate into what actions they take in the world in the story, you know? Yeah, and I think that wrestling is a really simple kind of primal form of storytelling from what I've seen. And I, and a thing that I like about it from what I've been listening to you guys talk about it. And in some of the stuff that I've seen is telling stories and conveying character through action rather than, you know, dialogue or whatever, or a bunch of other things. This is a big problem. Miles and I've talked about a little bit with like Marvel movies in that Mm -hmm. the action, Mm. the specifics of the action don't really matter. Yeah. I've discussed before. It's basically my only problem with the movie Black Panther is, um, the f- his fights with Killmonger, you don't learn anything about their characters by the way they fight generally. Like, little bit, mm. but like, the way that their fight is not an evolution of their their characters' psychologies and the themes of the film. Whereas, like, I think in a better thing, you would have, you'd get to see that. And I think that wrestling has a lot of potential to do that, and it probably does that better than a lot of other things out there, yeah. where you get to see, like, this person fights this way and does this kind of move for this reason, very mm-hmm. specifically. And yes. I think that a lot of other writing could learn that from it. And I mainly read things uh, and it just like consume media to harvest things out that I can then <laughs> later use in the art that I make. And so that is that is the part of wrestling that I feel like if I'm going to like consume the heart to gain its strength, like that is the, the power <laughs> that I want to gain from consuming the heart of pro wrestling. Fuck yeah. Yum, 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 yum. Well, Claire is going to be hanging out with us for our entire show, which is great because it means she gets to be part of Bob's breakdown. Yeah. And also because she will be here to hopefully help me comfort Bob a little bit um, after the longest Ring the Bell segment we will probably ever have. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. I don't like this. They seem like such nice folks. There's a lot of people going away. (laughs) Uh, After that, we're all going to need some sight sounds and feels of pro wrestling. And we will close things out for the first time ever with a special edition of Guess the Gimmick featuring two hosts who don't understand what the (gasps) fuck they're looking at. (laughs) Yeah. Wrestling Term of the Week will return on the next episode, as will the Cheap Pop Quiz. But before we start, we do have to get the answers to last episode's Cheap Pop Quiz. Bob has achieved 10 points in our fifth round of quizzing. But unfortunately for them, they need 15 in this round to get a romance novel episode with a guest. So let's see if they got any closer. Question number one. How many new tag teams with full entrances appear on the next episode? Is it A, 1, B, 2, C, 3, D, 4, E? Just kidding. This is NXT. There are no new tag teams. Hmm. <laughs> Bob, you uh, thought about this one and went with two, and you were correct. Ah, and I liked both of them. Yeah. Uh, question number two. The next episode includes a match between Camacho and one of Adam Rose's Rosebuds. Which Rosebud gets in the ring? A, the gladiator-looking dude played by pre-crisis Braun Strowman. B, the Waldo-looking dude with the hat and the mustache. C, the pirate with the duct tape bandana. D, the guy dressed up like a luchador superhero. Or E, the guy in the bunny suit. Bob, you went with the pirate with the duct tape bandana. It's because I know who that one is. (laughs) 
Is it Alan Tudyk? <laughs> it's not Alan oh, Tudyk. Oh man, I wish it was Alan Tudyk. Alan Tudyk be great at wrestling. Sometimes when you don't know who a pirate it is, it turns out it's Alan Tudyk. <laughs> I have learned this from experience. <laughs> The correct answer was D, the guy dressed up like the luchador superhero. And question number three, the next episode also features the official in-ring debut of Alexa Bliss. What is her gimmick? Is it A, she's basically Tinkerbell? B, she's basically Harley Quinn? C, she's literally a cheerleader? D, she chews bubblegum and comes to the ring on roller skates? Or E, she doesn't really have a gimmick, but she has wrestling gear and she's happy to be here. Bob, you were close on this one. Uh, I think you picked up on the general vibe that someone named Alexa Bliss might be bringing to the ring. You said cheerleader, which is why I carefully crafted the the term literally a cheerleader. She's not literally a cheerleader. She is basically Tinkerbell, as they say on commentary. I don't want to fight you, Miles. I'm not going to fight you. I just want you to know you're wrong, and that's fine. You want half point on this one, Bob? Gets you up to 11.5. <laughs> I don't want your pity point. <laughs> well, then then that's like, as a listener, I just want to say that's going to like upset me greatly if I have to hear that Bob has 0.5 points every time at the end. So yeah, no, you're going to have to eventually that's get another terrible. half point or a point and a half for answering the question <laughs> very well in order to like even that out within a few episodes. Or I'm just going to be so stressed out by don't that worry. half point hanging on. It'll if if we don't if it's not like if we don't have a relevant thing come up between now and the actual fifteen we'll just roll it over into the next quizzing. No, so that, no, that half <laughs> it, that half point will haunt me forever. That's exactly why I was like, no, I don't want a half point. I can't live with that hanging over me either. She was not literally a cheerleader. I'm afraid, Bob. I'm sorry. You fell for my cutting trap. Yes, I did. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I think it's time to get into Bob's breakdown. The commentary team is Jason Albert, Rich Brennan, and Renee Young. Who's here for the whole show. Yeah, and you know what? They do all right. I does feel at times like there's no adult supervision, but other than that, they do all right. Every time Jason Albert opened his mouth, I wanted to punch him in his stupid face. (laughs) (laughs) We have had worse. Let me put it that way. How close is this guy to the bottom of the barrel? He's like middle of the pack. Oh, wow. That's how bad some of the others are. <sighs> yeah, he's middling. He's fair to middling. I did not love him in this episode. I will point no, that out. No, no. This was him at his worst. Yeah. Renee, for the most part, this was like a really good episode for her in general, I thought. I agree. Uh, she has had some less good showings in the past, especially when, weirdly, when it comes to talking about women. I feel like they should have some expert come in and give a little talk to the commentary team with like slides and everything about like, here's how you talk about women when you are doing yes. commentary. Here are the things you say. Here are the things you don't say. Yeah, it's WWE in 2014, which means like in in real culture terms, it's the late 90s still. So <laughs> yes. you just have to think about it that way. All right. And speaking of the late 90s, Emma's here in her best orange creamsicle gear. <laughs> Charlotte enters with Sasha and no Summer Rae popsicle stick head, which is not a sentence I thought I would have understood a year ago, but I mean, here <laughs> we are. So the bell goes. Emma does a little air chop to psych herself up. The crowd does an oi, oi, oi chant, and the camera zooms in on Charlotte going, are you fucking kidding me with this shit? 
And then they lock up and Emma has her back on the ropes and the ref separates them and Charlotte does the sibling. I'm not even hurting them face. Continuing the theme of sibling shenanigans, Emma whips Charlotte into the ropes and then gets down on all fours behind her. So when she rebounds, she falls flat on her back. And I was I like, I loved it. That was great. Why do more people not do that move? What I thought of when I saw her do that move, she like throws her against the ropes. And then as she's bouncing back, she suddenly transforms into an ottoman sitting in the middle of the living room <laughs> when the lights are all off in the house and Charlotte's just walking in and oh god and trips over the ottoman. <laughs> like, <laughs> so Charlotte is not putting up with this, pursues Emma back to the ropes where Emma slips through. Normally, this is where she pokes through and does the shoulder check to her opponent like right in the tum-tum. Emma goes for that move, and Charlotte instead grabs Emma's head and falls to the mat, slamming Emma neck first into the top rope. Mm-hmm. Miles. Yes. A standard Emma move was countered. Yes. Now, is this, like, revealing character about the fact that Emma hasn't leveled up, that Charlotte has leveled up? Is it foreshadowing? Is it doing all of that? Yeah, so in this case, it's definitely a Charlotte leveled up thing. In general... Knowing that a wrestler's move that they do a lot is coming and then countering it is a sign of intelligence and in-ring ability because, uh, as they say, the move has been well-scouted. So uh, they they knew it was coming, they saw it on film when they were studying for the match, and they knew how to counter it. Look, that's the fucking fiction. (laughs) No, I know. I just love it whenever they're like, oh, I studied film, and I'm like, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) The similarities to, like, anime... And, and Tokusatsu yeah. and everything. It's just... Okay, Claire, is or wrestling like or unlike Pokemon? Because to me, I'm like, this is just Pokemon all the time. Every sure. goddamn <laughs> episode of Wrestles is Pokemon. Yeah, I was thinking more like My Hero Academia, which would be exactly the same as this, except if every once in a while, like, it would just go into slow motion, people would monologue about like, oh, you know this move, I have seen this move coming, blah, 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 and like, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, there was a there was a comment that uh, our dear friend Jason made during this point. Oh uh, yes, where they were talking about I guess the BFFs or just the the divas in general, and he made a comment about how like about there were some alliances, but they were like betraying each other, and he said. I don't know if girls can truly be friends. Yeah. <laughs> and then Renee responded with a like, the fuck did you say? <laughs> like she, kept, <laughs> she went from zero to 60 on his ass. Like, uh, well, what was weird about that too, is I was listening to it and Renee was like, cause Renee, the first thing is Renee said something about how girls can be friends for a while, but like sooner or later, if they both have yeah, something they, they want, they'll turn. And I was like, yeah, Renee. And then Jason was like, I actually don't think girls can ever be friends ever. And (laughs) when she was like, what's your evidence for that? And he's like, I'm married, so I've seen them. And that was when she was like, okay, fuck you. Oh, so unlike most people in the world, this is a person who has seen women. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So Charlotte locks in the figure four headlock, and it's not unsexy. Like, if you just flipped Emma face down, we're instantly on OnlyFans or something? Okay. A truth time. I do not know what OnlyFans is. I assume it's the kind of website where one can acquire filmic evidence of sapphic oral sex headlocks. And if it's not for that, what the goddamn fuck good is it? You know about as much uh, about OnlyFans as I do. People put porn on it, and people pay for the porn on it. Okay, good. 
It's porn Patreon. Okay. All right, good. Well, then I want this, except they're not going to make me that unless I pay them. I don't want to subscribe at that level. Ugh. Bob, I can send you some links. <laughs> Yay! So Charlotte flips Emma over and just thrusts and bounces Emma's noggin into the mat. And Miles, did you call that a skull fucker? Is that what that's On called? On the independent scene, that move is called the skull fucker, yes. What's it called at WWE? The Heine bump? <laughs> I think in WWE it's called, oh, what a move by so-and-so, because we don't actually know what it's called. <laughs> All right. Okay, so Emma is able to escape and ground Charlotte, reaches into her boot. Oh, man, what is it? Is it going to be brass knuckles? Is it going to be like a knife? No, it's a pink <laughs> sparkly sock snake. Emma slides it on, pokes at her joints to articulate the arm snake and transforms into Venema or or the snake is Venema. I didn't yeah, really understand. Sure. Has this happened before? Okay. okay so <laughs> yeah, was... if you remember when Santino was here, Santino has a, an arm sock snake as well. Right. And on the main roster, I don't know what's happening, but it's Santino and Emma are flirting. And so I guess when you flirt enough with somebody who has an arm sock snake, you get an arm sock snake on the main roster. They are a thing. And so she has been, has been doing her own version of the Cobra, which is basically the same thing, but pink. Why does he do it? Because <laughs> he's a comedy wrestler and he's a weirdo. <laughs> what emotion was I supposed to feel when she put on a hand puppet in the middle of this match? And like, um, the commentary was selling it like, oh shit, things are getting real. <laughs> She's wearing a hand <laughs> puppet now. Like, they were, they were playing it totally straight. And yeah. How am I supposed to feel? <laughs> Within the fiction, exactly that. Exactly like it's a big fucking deal. Uh-huh. Yeah. But the WWE, I suspect, does know that we're outside of it and are going, oh my God, this is so goddamn stupid and I love it. Yeah. So I would hope. It's his finisher and he does <laughs> like win matches with it sometimes. So... <laughs> Yeah, within, like, the straight-faced fiction of it, it's like, oh, she's going for the Cobra. That will increase her chances of winning the match. Uh Uh-huh. But then, because all of this is a comedy bit, you know, they're well aware that it comes off as funny. And so I think think you're also supposed to be laughing at it while also recognizing in some weird way that it's it's the setup for a big move, quote-unquote. Sure. Okay, in that case, <laughs> I think it worked as intended. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that big move is Emma going to attack Charlotte with this hand snake, and she gets Sasha instead, who's hanging out on the apron, and that gives Charlotte the opening she needs to roll Emma under her and do that bridging pin as Emma kicks, and the ref counts three. So Charlotte advances to the semifinals. It's called the Charlotte's Web, as they mentioned on commentary. And it looks so, so cool every time. Mm-hmm. There was also, I just want to say, a really good moment where when Charlotte was doing the figure four on Emma, she started doing a back bend and reversed it yeah! and for like a couple seconds she was pinning her she like yeah. emma was like reversing yes! it and started pinning charlotte and it was the coolest goddamn thing i'd ever seen in my life so anyway women's wrestling is really cool i i think in in many ways it's usually except for like flippy shit which i really enjoy like women's wrestling's usually better it's usually fucking better and like okay do you know what it reminds me of there's an issue of preacher where one of the villains is talking, he's like teaching a class to his like military academy or whatever it is. 
And he's talking about what to do when you're encountering a terrorist cell, when you've got like, you know, when you catch the terrorists in the act, right? And he says, mm-hmm. kill the women first. If there is a woman in the terrorist cell, she had to work 10 times harder to get there. She had to work 10 times harder to gain their acceptance. She will be 10 times better than any of the men in the unit. Kill her first. And that's how I feel <laughs> about women's wrestling is that yeah. like, if you make it as a woman's wrestler, you have to be so much better than your average dude wrestler. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm. Match two, the stirring strains of La Marseillaise. And Sylvester LaFort comes out ready to wrestle with his tag team partner, Marcus Louis, yep. in tow. It is the Legionnaire sort of reborn. And then Lucha, Lucha, Lucha. Because friends, it is El Local and Callisto. And I mean, just a reminder, El Local, gross abuser named in the Speaking Out movement. Yep. Fuck off. Yep. Okay. Oh, no. We should say somebody did say something about him in the Speaking Out movement. He wasn't he wasn't one of the big ones. Like he wasn't Joey Ryan. But he did have one uh he did have one person uh level an accusation against him. Nice lucha yes. boys though. I know. Boy are they. So the Legionnaires do not take too long to get El Local into peril and chuck him into the turnbuckle with a vengeance. Claire Miles, turnbuckle. Mm. Turnbuckle. turnbuckle. Good word. You know, so pleasing. I think all of, it's all of the Power Rangers that I've watched that immediately makes me trust a face in a mask. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it just, yeah. I'm like, clearly they're the good guy. I mean, <laughs> so. <laughs> no, I get this. Okay. Ah, oh, man. Sammy Zane in a mask. He's he's a real good boy. He's got. What if the Power Rangers were doofier, but also really competent? <laughs> I, I mean, suppose? they're pretty you doofy. You think they're not? <laughs> okay. I guess I guess he's a different kind of doofus. I do want to say. The Legionnaires can do a wrestle? Yeah, it's weird. It's not the kind that I love, but it's solid and it gets the job done. That actually kind of reminds me, maybe just because this is how they train tag teams that haven't worked together for very long. But it reminds me of whenever um, Scott Dawson and Garrett Dillon were wrestling as a tag team. It's it's that. It's, you know, yeah. workmanlike. It's heel tag team wrestling where it's like your job yeah. is to be on offense for the middle part of the match, essentially. Yeah. LaFour holds El Local in place in the corner while Louis kicks him in the diaphragm and the ref goes, come on, I'm right here. This is something you guys have talked about previously in that it's sort of the heel's job in the middle part of the match to slow things down and, mm-hmm. like, make them boring. <laughs> yes, sort of I know. And... Uh, I just want to go on the record to say that sucks and is a bad idea and they shouldn't do that. <laughs> like, I agree. I, I think, like, I get the idea. I think there are other ways to accomplish this goal that they want of make them excited in the finish. That's not make the middle part yeah. suck and boring to watch. I, there like, absolutely are, yes. When When the, like, Lucha guys get back in control, it's suddenly, like, awesome. But yes. it's a, it takes a long time to get there. And it's kind of not great. So the best heels make that part of the match entertaining. But Sylvester LaFour and Marcus Louis are not uh, are, are not no. the best heels. <laughs> I, I'm right there with you, Claire. For um, the whole of my wrestling time for a long time, I was going, is it just is the middle part just the part where you go to the bathroom? This is bullshit. Yeah. And then finally, I saw somebody do a good job at it and went, oh. <gasps> Somebody did a good job at it. 
Like, Sasha Banks is a heel, and she makes the middle part look fucking fantastic. Yeah, and not all matches are structured this way, too. This is just, again, what we're seeing here is a very standard, very formulaic wrestling match. So it's baby's first match, yeah. basically. So it's going to be baby food. Yes. All right, so LaFour holds Elo Cal in place in the corner while Louis kicks him in the diaphragm, and the ref goes, Come on, I'm right here! <laughs> and LaFour lets go, and there's a certain, like, finger wagging from the ref going yeah well don't let me catch you doing that again and louis throws a locale in a slide towards the corner and a locale just puts a foot into the turnbuckle and stops seconds later yeah, louis cool. is like coming i know comes in to investigate because he's like oh you didn't go right into the turn post thing you know uh what's it corner post yeah corner post and then locale sort of Bicycle kicks him? I mean, from the ground, but just kind of like bicycle kicks him, knocking him to the mat. And freeing this path to do a hot tag at Kalisto. LaFour is in now. Kalisto just sails at him, wiping out LaFour. And he does a sexy corkscrew (laughs) at LaFour. And then, and then he does a thing. Mine eyes hath ne'er seen before. Okay. I say this as though I have been watching wrestling for decades. It's been like 18 months. But mine eyes, Miles. Okay. okay. So Kalisto stands in front of LaFour, holding his neck, flips backward over LaFour to land in a wide straddle while LaFour goes tits up, head to the mat, mm-hmm. and lo, twas hella cool, my friends. <laughs> twas hella cool. <laughs> It will be shocking for you to learn that that's going to become his finisher real fucking soon. Is that move going to get a name? Uh, yes, it will eventually be called the Salida del Sol. Okay. So Elocal gets Louis to the outside, bolts him over with a corkscrew mumble mumble that has them both strewn upon the ramp. Lafour is going to try and win for France. Pero no. <laughs> Calisto forward handsprings into the ropes, hits them while upside down. And then uses the momentum to rebound, kick LaFour in the head like this is Mortal Kombat. Can you... Okay, guys, can one of you do the Mortal Kombat theme? Whoever wrote that's a genius. Anyway. So, perfect. Kalisto hooks the leg, pins LaFour for three. Victory for Team Lucha. Luchador's rule. I don't know why WWE doesn't employ mostly Luchadors. It is objectively the coolest, but whatever. Also, I need more Lady Luchadors. This is the debut of Kalisto, and he's fucking great. Do Lady Luchadors exist? Is this a thing? Absolutely. I mean, yes, but like, science doesn't want us to have them. Hmm. We're not allowed to have them, but there are, and I've seen very few of them. They very Occasionally they escape from the labs, and then you get to see one, but I will say, we are seeing 2014. I am watching NXT currently now in 2021, and boy, women's wrestling, they let women do cool shit now, and it's fucking tremendous. Backstage, and I don't know if I can explain this. Uh, You know what you saw. You were there with me. But anyone else? Oh, I'm going to do my best. Adam Rose has his hands on Super Luchador from last episode, who has enormous off-brand blue Coco Chanel double C brands on the side of his head. Now, 
you are imagining them attached to the mask, aren't you? Well, one of them is, and the other is just flapping freely in the wind. (laughs) Okay. Adam Rose. It's party time. Super luchador. All the time. I am not doing the voice badly and like enough like a prospector. And I'm, do any of you want to try and give me the all the time the way he did it? Because I don't think I can do it. I think you did it pretty well. Okay. So the crowd of groupies scream and cheer and Super Luchador heads out to claim victory, I guess. (laughs) This was yet another moment where I had the feeling... I don't know what emotion I'm supposed to have right now. (laughs) This is definitely comedy. You're definitely supposed to be laughing at this. Well, good. (laughs) (laughs) The reason that I say that, the only reason that I say that is, a a little while ago, I was listening to some Next Wrestling fan, and there was mentioned the Shockmaster. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) There was a certain clip that I was recommended to look at the first Mm -hmm. appearance of the Shockmaster, and I did. Mm-hmm. And the emotions that they wanted me to have there were not the emotions <laughs> that I had. No. The emotions that I had were wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> we've learned we've learned many lessons since the 90s. So I just want to say, like, listeners, if you did not actually watch at the time, Google first appearance of the Shockmaster and go watch that right now. That is all. Carry on. All right. Match three. Resident hottie Camacho comes out. He's only getting hotter, guys. I think this is a problem. He's starting to weaponize it. It's true. And then Super Lucha comes out, and his name is Captain Comic. No explanation there. He has a generic, like, club music theme song. Fine. The bell goes. Camacho dropkicks this cape-wearing knucklehead. And the goofiness already turned up to 11. The audience starts chanting, Match of Year! Match of year. And yeah, I was like, yeah, they do. That's fucking right. You chant that and a little more sincerely, if you would, please, because Camacho has worked hard for this. Just to be clear, they want me to see Camacho as a heel, yes. right? Yes. No, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, Camacho seems like a lovely man and like, fuck this nerd. <laughs> so, like, there, was, there was a bit and of we me say this as when- nerds. Yeah, there's a bit of me when Camacho's, like, beating up this dork in a cape with a luchador mask. I'm like, yeah, Camacho, take his lunch money. (laughs) (laughs) Camacho is like, what if Bakugo, but not a total asshole? Mm. Yeah. So there's not a lot to say about the slaughter of Captain Comic. He spends a lot of time on the mat wearing his cape as an apron. Uh, Capron. Thank you. This poor becaped darling is put away by being brutally slammed into the mat from off Camacho's shoulder. One, two, three. Ding, ding, ding. Camacho wins. And then what is this? Adam Rose has stormed the ring and Camacho retreats to the outside. He finally has the attention of Senpai Rose. And he looks so pleased about it. So I can only assume they're going to kiss in the next episode. Definitely. What are we doing here if not? All right. Backstage. Alicia Fox is psychic and sees gold in her future. Fair enough. Alexa Bliss's makeup is already evaporating, and I felt so bad for her. (laughs) And she's here to win the championship, which I was, you know, good. I'm happy for both of them. Match four. Fox comes to the ring and swings the absolute fuck out of her jacket. Yes, she does. And now Alexa Bliss joins us, and she is a cheerleader ballerina? 
All right. Okay. It's like if you asked a child to design a cheerleader costume for the Dallas Cowboys. The tutu she comes to the ring in immediately sheds a craft store's worth of glitter in the ring. The mat looks like a floor at a preschool. The crowd starts chanting for Alexa Bliss. So she also has a handfuls of glitter, which she blows out. Oh, God. Don't do that to people. That's glitter. never comes off. Was it glitter? It looked like it was some kind of sparkly thing. Was it? I'm not sure. Maybe. I mean, I guess. That's, isn't that what glitter is? I guess is? that is think, what glitter is. But Miles, it looked what like, do you think glitter is? It looks like Miles, she had you like tell a, us. No, I don't know. It looked like she had like a sparkler in her hands and she was blowing it around. It looked like a, I don't know. It was just like backlit. Oh, okay. So it just oh, looked okay. like really, yeah. Okay. Claire, Miles asked me, as you heard in that um, cheap pop quiz, what the gimmick of Alexa Bliss is. What mm-hmm. the heck did you think it was? Or did you think she even had one? Like, did you have any fucking read on it? Magical dream fairy? That's, that is more than the Tinkerbell gimmick that Miles is alleging that she has. The, the announcers do literally compare her to Tinkerbell. They say but. that, but I thought they were just saying that because they're like, I don't know what the fuck it is. It's <laughs> Tinkerbell. Sure. Why the fuck not? I mean, usually when they say it, you can at least tell what they're going for. (laughs) (laughs) So I just want to say, dang, this tiny lady is fierce. Like she kicks and elbows Fox and then flies at her from the second rope and somersaults to land when Fox moves out of the way. And she does a standing backflip moonsault. And actually lands a knee on Fox's clavicle or something. I don't know if she was supposed to land on that clavicle. Probably not. No, she was actually. So that's actually one of her moves is that she does instead of a moonsault the way like it usually goes. She is a little bit more forward with it so that instead of landing on your torso with her torso, she lands on your torso with her knees. But that's not safe. (laughs) I mean, look, it's wrestling. So is it clear, by the way, who's supposed to be the face and who's supposed to be the heel in this match? I think they're both yes. heels. No, no, Bliss is the face. Oh. The way that Renee was selling um, Fox when she came out, she was like, she first said, like, she's really nice and she's a really good, like, you know, fun, nice person and stuff. But like, but then when she's in the ring, she destroys divas or something mm. like that. And then, so I, it was a little unclear. I had, if I had to guess, I would say Bliss, but I think it was a little mixed. Mm-hmm. It helps for people who have been were watching wrestling at the time also because Alicia Fox was a pretty well-established heel. Is she? Okay. Fox is like, no, fuck this game. And when Bliss comes at her from an Irish whip, she lifts Bliss up and then breaks Bliss's back upon her knee like Rusev breaking a plank of wood. <laughs> Man, remember when he used to be into artisanal woodcrafts? Bring that back. Yeah, that was great. <sighs> now he's just boring. All right. He really is. I can't believe the way they're misusing him in the company. Anyway, good. At one point, uh, Jason Albert just says, apropos of nothing, so pretty <laughs> in a really <laughs> creepy way. And I was, I was like, why are you here? Why are you being paid to be on this show? That one I was willing to forgive because he does it for a specific reason that is wrestling related and not Alicia Fox related. So, OK, so headlock. It doesn't last too long. And then Fox does that beautiful Northern Lights suplex where she does the bridge. And it's a very Sunday best kind of suplex. Mm. That is the point at which Jason Albert says, so pretty. She has the best Northern Lights suplex in wrestling history. And then Renee is like, what, do you like her or something? And he like goes with it. But when he first says so pretty, he's talking about the suplex. Absolutely. 
Is he? Yes. yes. I know. All right. I'll allow if it. If I were in your shoes, I would go like, there's no way he's talking about the suplex. I only side with Miles in this one because every goddamn time Alicia Fox has wrestled, yeah. people have said, it's so pretty when she does the Northern Lights <laughs> oh, Bob has now been on wrestling Twitter long enough to know that the primary fact that people know about Alicia Fox is that her Northern Lights suplex is amazing. <laughs> so they scrabble and they do a rough house around the map for a bit until Bliss powers out. Bliss whips into the ropes. She's coming for Fox. Fox is going to do a thing like a power slam or whatnot. And there is some spinning. Bliss lands on her feet instead of getting, you know, slammed to the mat, grabs the back of Fox's thigh. Good, good. And then pulls her to the mat and rolls her for a pin and the victory, which is not as sapphic as the previous women's match. But as Bliss does walk up the ramp, we see that she's bloodied her teeth a little bit and she looks slightly dangerous. And that's not not hot. Was that supposed to be there Did, or not? No, she probably bit her mouth. Yeah, because that seemed like not exactly on her theme as little Tinkerbell. Like, but I, I was kind of into it. I know, so. right? <laughs> okay, backstage. Neville understands that whoever wins this battle royal is going to fight him and he's here for it. and He respects them. Bring on the competition. Thanks, Devin, he says as he walks off. What a sweet so boy. The Shire raised you right, lad. All right, match five. It's the battle royal. So if you don't remember how these work, the outside of the ring is lava. And if you go over the top rope and you touch the lava, you're out. That's right. Both of your feet have to touch the ground. Oh, yeah. Both your feet have to touch the lava. So let us get the most important part out of the way. Is Mason Ryan here? Yes, he is here. Mojo Raleigh, boo hiss. Sami Zayn, yay! And Bo, yay! All get televised entrances. So the bell goes, and it's just a sea of humanity, as they always seem to say during Battle Royals. Guess what the crowd is chanting? What's that? Yoshi Tatsu! Oh my god! I was like, oh, they're chanting for my son! I like my son. I only get to see on alternate weekends, but like I love my son and I want him to have a good life. I don't know him very well, but from what I saw in this match, he seemed really great. He's fantastic. Things that happen in this match, because I ain't going to tell you all about it. There's too much stuff. Okay. Danny Birch headbutts someone. Oliver Gray is tossed out. Kurt Hawkins gets eliminated. I'm so sorry, Kurt Hawkins. I didn't even know you were there. You deserve more. I love you and your dumb little choker. Okay. Baron Corbin stands damply against a rope. Brodus Clay slams Kid and Breeze into each other. Two-thirds of the wrestlers get together to check out Brodus Clay. Renee says, Yoshi Tatsu! And it's great. The Legionnaires kick the shit out of Baron Corbin. Mason Ryan throws out Aiden English. That'll do, Pony. That'll do. <laughs> Camacho drags himself along the apron using the rope like he's crawling through mud in a boot camp montage. <laughs> Sylvester Lafour and Kalisto end up dragging one another over the top rope. Wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. Xavier Woods and Camacho get into a slap fight in the middle of the ring and both end up going over the top rope. Mason Ryan does the ballet bar leg stretch that Summer Rae does to jam his boot into Big Cass's neck. Jason Jordan gets Raleigh out. Yeah, yeah, Jason Jordan. Oh, so proud of him. 
Jordan is eliminated by Corbin. Fuck you, Corbin. The Yoshitatsu chant starts up again because they know what's right. Then Bo gets Corbin out and then Yoshitatsu out. The crowd oh. is outraged at Bo. <laughs> I just want to say, you mentioned earlier to like interrupt if I was yes. like, what do you think a person looks like? What do they actually look like? Yeah. Yes. Um, I don't know what I expected Bo Dallas to look like apart from like, based on your descriptions, a vaguely humanoid form made of light. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> what he actually looks like is Matt Damon playing a wrestler in a movie. <laughs> oh, wow. And like he kind of got in shape for the role, <laughs> but not really. <laughs> you know, tough but fair. Oh, you're not wrong. Bo gets Mason Ryan out. I was pissed about that. Bo gets Big Cass out. Less pissed. Tyson gathers up Bo and slings him over the top rope. The crowd starts chanting, thank you, Tyson. <laughs> that was very charming. I was delighted by that. Now it's just Kid, Breeze, and Zane. And I'm like, oh, I need more than a few minutes of this. This is going to be good. Well. Zane does his butt bounce on the top rope to avoid ending up on the outside. He tries to halluva kick Breeze to the outside, but ends up going over instead. And he is hanging from the top rope, footsies dangling precariously over hot lava floor. Tyson Kid goes for Breeze, and Breeze chucks him up and over. Kid is dangling next to Zane. Friends, this is the perfect battle royal because Breeze starts hitting these two dangling good boys, and then somehow Kid reaches his knees up, which involves a level of core strength that I can but dream of, <laughs> grabs Breeze by the neck, hauls him over the top, Breeze kerplunks into the laps of Kid and Zane, who both let go of the rope, and all three of them hit the mat on the outside at the same time. Oh, now we get the arguing about, like, who's going to challenge Neville? I should. No, I should. It should be someone gorgeous. And the crowd starts chanting, triple threat. Let's ask a mortal. <laughs> Hand him this golden apple. <laughs> Mole rat daddy, CEO. No, COO. That's right. He's a coup. You know, like a pigeon. Triple H comes out to say, well, these people know what's best for business. I mean, he barely says it because his voice is really fucking His, his voice is still so fucked up. I, I turned the volume down to eight and I was like, I cannot hear Triple H at all. I can hear every other thing that's happening. I cannot hear Triple H at all i really would love to know what he did i want to know what song it was at the karaoke bar that <laughs> fucked him up oh man was it all my life by the foo fighters because that's the one that does it to me nobody should even <laughs> attempt that song i am a fool i have done it multiple times i think it was gay bar <laughs> mm. <laughs> mm. you go hard when i sing that one so come back next week for a triple threat match I'm going to get to see so many minutes of these boys fighting. It's going to be great. And then fade to black. That was a hell of a finish in that one. Yeah. 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 Claire, when you watched that, were you like, I want to come back in the next episode and see who wins? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty great. Like the at the end there, I was like, oh, shit. All three of them get knocked out at the same time. What do we do? Like, yeah. no, I was I was in it. I was very in it at the end there. Well, thank you so much for that breakdown, Bob. Uh, what did you think of this episode overall? I think I know the answer, but I want to hear it from you. I fucking loved it. I'm going to talk more about why I loved it, but I fucking loved it. Let us, on that note, bring down the mood considerably. 
Oh no! Strap the fuck in for this. Okay. It's time to start ringing the bell. First of all, we are ringing the bell softly for Danny Birch. Aww. Uh, as you know, Danny Birch will be back in NXT, but this is his last match for about a year and a half or so. So we're going to go ahead and ring that bell softly for him. He's a jobber, but he's a great jobber, and it'll be nice yeah, when we is. get to see him again. We are also ringing the bell for Brodus Clay. Oh, good. Goodbye <laughs> and good riddance to this motherfucker who uh, never actually appeared on WWE television, period, after this episode. He mm. was released shortly after this match aired, and he moved over to what is now known as Impact Wrestling, where he worked until about 2018. Around 2016, shockingly enough, is when he started making appearances on Fox News, mm. eventually co-hosting not one but two shows for Fox Nation. And one thing I did not know about him until researching this very segment was that uh, in 2019, one of his Fox co-workers accused him of sexual harassment. Ah. Of course, that did not prevent the wrestling business from taking him back as he has recently begun making appearances on NWA Power, which I don't watch and now definitely will not. So fuck off forever, Brodus Clay. Sorry yeah. we had to talk about you as many times as we did. We are ringing the bell as well for Oliver Gray. Aww. Oliver, you weird wrestling Hugh Grant. Yeah, he is. We, we barely knew you, but you were part of our coverage briefly, and you were also one of the first NXT Tag Team Champions, so you get a send-off. Following no. his official, official departure from WWE, Gray would return to the independent scene where he went by the name Joel Redman. He is still working the British Indies today, most recently in Revolution Pro Wrestling, which means it's only a matter of time before he shows up again on NXT UK, since that is yeah. what the British independent scene is for these days. Probably the most interesting thing he did post-NXT was spend some time in All Japan Pro Wrestling, where he formed oh. a tag team with the next person we are ringing a bell for, Yoshitatsu. Oh, but I'm glad he goes on to have a good life. I'm glad he goes to a, a real farm upstate. I just want to say, how is it that there's a ring that has like 22 people in it? Yeah. And as soon as the match starts, the crowd starts cheering. What? They all start cheering. Yoshi, Tatsu, Yo are yeah. they cheering Sami Zayn? Are they cheering Bo Dallas? No, they're <laughs> cheering Yoshi Tatsu. What does WWE do in response to this? They fire him, yep. yes. Carry on. It's ridiculous. And I actually want to talk about, about that a little bit more a little bit later on. But this was his last televised match in WWE, a company in which he never won a championship. After this, he went back to his original promotion, New Japan Pro Wrestling, where he set himself on a mission to destroy the extremely popular heel stable, The Bullet Club. <gasps> As you might expect, that did not go well, but he did <laughs> He did win the never-open-weight six-man tag team championship alongside Michael Elgin and Hiroshi Tanahashi uh, when they beat Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. So that's not nothing. Holy shit. Uh, he also briefly had a gimmick where he was a parody of Triple H, and he would Ooh. come to the ring doing Triple H things in mocking fashion. For the last five years or so, he's been a part of All Japan Pro Wrestling, where he has been a tag team champion and a television champion, so even though WWE just completely misused him, he's doing okay. Good. We are also ringing the bell for Alicia Fox. 
Uh, Lord knows we don't want to. We don't want to let her go. But this is her final appearance for NXT. She is on her way back to the main roster where she will actually immediately start feuding with Paige over the Divas Championship. Alicia Fox had kind of terrible timing when it comes to her career in women's wrestling. She debuted Mm -hmm. in 2008, which was just the worst possible time for an extremely talented woman of color to become a wrestler in WWE. The next decade saw her wrestling skills just completely wasted, though she did get one reign with the Divas title in 2010. That lasted for 56 days. Uh, Aside from Jillian Hall, who lost the belt the same night she won it, Fox spent less total time as Divas champion than any other holder of that belt. Mm. She would be a character on WWE programming for years, but she never really got a push or was used in any way that made any sense considering her abilities. Alicia Fox has struggled with alcoholism, and in 2019, she showed up drunk to a live event. A longtime WWE employee and current AEW employee, Arn Anderson, was fired by WWE for allowing her to compete intoxicated. (gasps) And she left the company shortly after that, and I've seen reports that she went into recovery for her problems with alcohol and also that she went back to school. So that's positive. Uh, And she actually returned to WWE in 2021, competing in the Women's Royal Rumble and briefly becoming the 24-7 champion in the process. It was fucking great. She's the first black woman to win that title. So there you go. Seems like she's doing okay. And uh, I really hope that's the case. I really hope she is doing okay because she's great and we want good things for her. Yeah. And finally, the one I've been dreading. Oh, no. I'm so sorry to do this to you, Bob. (gasps) <gasps> no! On this episode, we are ringing the bell for Mason Ryan. Oh, no! Oh, okay. Okay. All right. He only actually wrestled for about another year and a half after leaving NXT, mostly back home in Wales, where he worked for his original promotion, All-Star Wrestling, and the appropriately named Welsh Wrestling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, But the story does have a happy ending, Bob. Okay. Because in 2016, apparently, uh, according to him, thanks to a recommendation from WWE, who told him about the gig, Mason Ryan joined Cirque du Soleil. He plays the chief archer in a show called Ka that runs regularly at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Now, in my original script for this segment, this was the part where I qualified that Mason Ryan, or Barry Griffiths, which is his real name, Uh, hasn't tweeted in two years, and I wasn't able to find any more recent information on him, and especially with COVID, I couldn't be totally sure he was still working in that show. However, Mm -hmm. I did a little more digging, and I found (gasps) a news report from KVVU Fox Channel 5 in Las Vegas from April 14th, 2021, so about three weeks ago as we record this, which is about the governor of Nevada reopening the state where Barry Griffiths Lead performer in Cirque du Soleil's Ka talks about how he's excited to get crowds back again and mentions that he's been doing real estate to pay the bills while the show has been shut down. <laughs> Quote, it's obviously been a while since we performed and as artists, that's what we love to do, right? It's great to be on stage and have people. We get so much satisfaction of putting smiles on people's faces. Oh my God, that's so nice. Mason Ryan, you put a smile on our faces for 51 episodes, so thank thank you for that. And personally, Bob, I would love to plan a trip out to Vegas with you sometime where we can see our beautiful Welsh pony perform in person. 
I would love that so much. And then he's going to be like, why is that person in the, like, fifth row sobbing? Why is this happening? This isn't even the sad part of the show. Well, uh, we're, we're finally done ringing the bell. So uh, let's pick things up a little bit with the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. So, Megan Bob, in this episode, what did your elf eyes see? Adam Rose in the ring holding Captain Comic tenderly, and the camera is in a close-up on the stricken face of CC in the lower half of Rose. I don't know if you caught this moment. It was very good. Suddenly, Rose stands to his feet, and Captain Comic's head just thunks to the mat, <laughs> like Rose is going, fuck this! <laughs> I don't want to take care of this goof. I'm going to go yell at Camacho. And it, but the camera is so close on his face that you're like experiencing it from the point of view of Captain Comic. And I was like, <laughs> this is terrible. This poor goof. Uh, it was tremendous and awful. There was a line that they said around there when uh, Camacho was kicking his ass. Hold on. It was, um, he's not a wrestler. He's a party guy. He came here to have a good time. Not this. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> All right, Miles, what did your elf eyes see? Uh, hashtag butt watch. <gasps> I just need it to be known. Uh, Sylvester Lafort and Marcus Louis, the Legionnaires, just have France written in big letters across their butts. You know what it made me think of? It was like when in that scene in Endgame where they're like, that's America's ass. I was like, is that, is that that's France's, France's ass? ass. Yeah, Those absolutely. are both France's two asses. <laughs> <laughs> Last bit about that uh, is that Marcus Louis, like Sylvester Lafore, is improbably actually French. So yeah. both members of this French tag team are actually from France, which is something you don't see that often in wrestling. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. All right. Claire, what did your elf eyes see? Uh, again, I don't know if it's just a me thing. I spent a lot of time in that battle royal match looking at bulges. I know you're doing a lot uh, of butt watch. Sure. But I was thinking about bulges. Mm, um, yeah. Bulge watch. Or crotch mm, watch, as we sometimes call it. Sure. Uh, like, so, being a trans woman, mm-hmm. I, I think a lot about bulges. About, mm-hmm. you know, for myself, tucking, not tucking, when you do, wearing, like that. Sure. There was one of the wrestlers, a very large man, had basically like a one-piece bathing suit. <laughs> like That was probably Brodus Clay. Yeah. And it was, like, pretty high, going high up the sides, you know? And I was like, I would not feel comfortable wearing that in public for fear of something popping out. But, like, there was some size going on in some, but not, like, too much. Like, Mm -hmm. is there ever Packers? Do people ever stuff, as far as you know, Miles, the front? Or, like, is much thought put into the bulge? Or is it, like, because there definitely, there's no tucking. But is there stuffing? Or is it just, like... Are they all just like as God made them? <laughs> like you know, I I don't know as much about this subject as you might assume that I do. Uh huh. That strikes me as like a trade secret. You know what I mean? Like, sure. Is, is there some stuffing? I would be shocked if there wasn't. Who yeah, does yeah. it? And and when? I don't know. I will say that like I think the most notable instances of of this subject here in wrestling 
is when it's very clear that there isn't any, but you're still like, wow. (laughs) Okay. Good job. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Bob, what did your Vulcan ears hear? There was some real gems on commentary this time. There sure were. Do you think the Ascension are watching this right now, Renee? Yeah. You know, I feel like when they're not in the ring, I, I feel like they're not a, up on this. around televisions. I don't know if they <laughs> yes. can get eyes on this. And she mentions that they're probably working out, which is a cover story. She started, like, explaining her yeah. fanfic, and then she and was then like, pivoted. um... I mean, they're probably in the gym, you know? Uh, They're definitely not doing what was just going on in my head. They are boning in a graveyard. Just admit (laughs) it, you cowards. They leave Full Sail University under a star-filled sky, drain someone of blood, and then bang on top of a mausoleum as a wolf howls in the distance, except that it's Florida. So it's like an (laughs) alligator like hissing in the distance, I guess, which is a lot less... (laughs) moody and interesting but i guess if you're into southern gothic it's fine so there you go alligators aren't allowed to howl they'd be even scarier oh god this is up there with my idea of like what if sharks could howl and you just hear howling (laughs) from the ocean that'd be terrifying i don't like it it was very strange for me to watch an episode that had a tag team match in it and not have it involve the ascension yeah um and so now i still don't know what they look like they still just live in my mind as these uh (laughs) larger-than-life, mysterious gay vampires. I feel like that's what they are, though. Like, if you saw them, you'd go, yeah, that's exactly what I thought they'd look like. Okay, well, great. All right, Miles, what did your Vulcaneers hear? I wanted to do a commentary line, because Renee especially was pretty on point in this episode, but uh, I want to talk more about the Yoshitatsu thing in the main event, because I thought (gasps) it was really interesting. That, you know, in Battle Royals a lot of the time, and we talked about it way back in Episode 2, which was our, our first Battle Royal. Mm-hmm. And we talk about the fact that Battle Royals are a really really great opportunity to fold in multiple storylines into one match and have, like, kind of the match almost can have, like, chapters, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, yeah. And then b- before we get to the guys who are actually going to win, you know what I mean? You've got some other shit going on in between. This Battle Royal didn't really have that. It was really just... A bunch of people, like, kind of punching each other for the first, like, two-thirds of the batch. Like, the whole weird thing with Xavier Woods and Camacho, who aren't feuding, but all of a sudden Xavier hates him so much that he's willing to eliminate himself to get Camacho out of the ring. And it's like, they just weren't doing anything storyline-wise in this match. And so, as a result, the crowd, being the character in wrestling that it is, they decided what the story was going to be prior to the finish of the match, which was they just loved Yoshitatsu. And he was in there for a while, and they kind of, like, just kept coming back to loving Yoshitatsu. And when Bo threw him out, they were so mad. (laughs) Like, they're already inclined to hate Bo Dallas. It makes you really, like, think that the people who were booking this match, like, knew that Yoshitatsu was going to get this reaction or some kind of reaction. Because the moment Bo throws him out, the crowd fucking turns on him hard to the extent they chant thank you Tyson when Tyson gets Bo out of the ring. And then from that point on, they're super engaged. Like, you know, at that point, it's like, it's Breeze, it's Kid, it's Zane. So it's like they're doing their Zane chants, they're doing their Breeze chants and everything. But 
I just thought it was really interesting. It's a really great example of the crowd being like, this is boring. We're going to do something with this now. Hope you don't mind. (laughs) (laughs) I like that the crowd actively writes fan fiction during the middle of the actual fiction. It'd be like if I stood up in the middle of Endgame and said, actually, Loki didn't die. He's off fucking like, I don't know, some Dormammu. Who knows? <laughs> and then everybody in the theater was like, yeah, he does. And then and like the movie just keeps playing in the background. And then when it doesn't happen on the screen, they boo. <laughs> yes. That's what I want. I want that world. Why won't people let me stand up during movies and scream? But then they fucked. I've always said that more entertainment, like all entertainment should be more like wrestling. So it should, man. All right, Claire, what did your Vulcaneers hear? There was so much commentary stuff. Yeah. Do you want to give us your top three? Okay, I'll give you a top three then. <laughs> Number three, Renee, she's expressing desire that she that she wants like Emma to win the match against Charlotte. And she says that unlike Charlotte, Emma's actually nice. And uh, Jason's like, it's not about being nice, it's about winning. And then she says, my heart lies where it lies. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> and I liked that. That was a good line. Renee, in the same match, said, earlier today, Emma gave me some of her imaginative treats. <laughs> that line! Oh my god, what the fuck? And, and then they're like, the, the two other members of the commentary are like, the fuck? And she goes on to clarify, oh, you know, they're protein-packed brownies. They're peanut butter and chocolate. Yeah. And your number one pick, Claire. So during the match between Camacho and Captain Comic, um, Jason starts saying, come on, Captain Comic, at one point. And then Renee says, you're rooting for Captain Comic? And he says, I love a guy in a mask. Yeah. And then she says, she says, you do love an underdog. And he says, it's not so much the underdog. I was never an underdog, Renee. And then after a pause, she says, well, in life, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and he was destroyed. <laughs> R.I.P. Jason Albers. All right. Bob, for this episode, what did your human heart feel? The battle fucking royal. Oh my god. It took me back to the summer of 2019, not that long ago, but watching that battle royal for the second episode of The Next Wrestling Fan and seeing Mason Ryan throw out a million dudes. I love battle royals. I don't care whether they tell a story or not. If they do, great. If it's just a bunch of dumb shit, it feels like going to the circus except it's you know, fewer human rights abuses. Not not that many fewer, but a couple fewer. <laughs> Less animal rights abuses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There we go. It's just peoples. I love Battle Royals so much. It's the Royal Rumble is the best thing that the WWE has ever done. Yeah. I had to wait 49 episodes to get another one. I'm like, I want one every fortnight. Give me that. But no. And so I was just like, shoveling it directly into my mouth and screaming in joy and i also so happy that i got to see mason ryan in a battle royal again before i had to say goodbye yeah (sighs) all right miles what did your human heart feel also the battle royal uh i really enjoyed the last few minutes of the match but i do have to say 
I had a little bit of uh, of of an issue, just a little bit of an issue with how they actually went out of the ring. And I understand that having all three people fall out of the ring and having it look like all their feet hit the ground at the same time is difficult. And I'm willing to suspend my disbelief. I just couldn't help but notice they're like, let's go to the replay. And I'm like, I watch a lot of sports. I understand like like how you watch replays and how like that shit influences decisions on the field. Tyler Breeze won that match. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler Breeze very clearly his second foot did not hit the ground until everybody else's feet were already down. If I was the referee, Tyler Breeze won that match. And then the commentators were like, "Oh, it's so close. Like who can yeah. say? Like I don't know." <laughs> so like I love the Battle Royal but I will go to my grave on fucking dying on this hill. That should have been Tyler's match. There should no, be no triple threat. Tyler won that match. Fucking, after review, the ruling on the field is confirmed, motherfuckers. <laughs> Claire, what did your human heart feel? <sighs> Do you ever just... Girls? Yeah, yeah. All the time. Yeah. Like, girls are really good. They Who, are. Whoever made girls... A plus job. You did really good. <laughs> so I used to believe that I was a sophisticated individual in terms of my tastes. Um, yeah. I used to believe I was complex mm-hmm. and that I liked <laughs> things of quality. And you fool. <laughs> that like I had ever evolving tastes in like fiction and in media, etc. But as I'm getting older, I'm realizing I am actually extremely easy to please, mm-hmm. and I like the same shit over and over again, and it's fine. And what I like is I like watching cool girls do cool stuff. Um, yeah. Like, I, when I watch The Incredibles 2, during some of the action scenes of that movie where it's just like Elastigirl by herself doing cool superhero stuff, I was crying. <laughs> I was Aww. literally crying. Just because I was seeing a cool lady be cool and do fun stuff. And I definitely got a lot of those feels during this. Just like, I talk a lot about things very like critically and intellectually. And I'll like reason out and try to figure out why I like something and justify it using a lot of big words. Mm-hmm. But this is not that. I just like girls. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and I like watching them be cool and do fun stuff. Amen. All right. Well, those were the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. We are rapidly coming to the end of our show, but before we leave, it is time to do a special double edition of Guess the Gimmick. Holy crap. Now, for those of you who don't know, Guess the Gimmick is the segment where we have Megan Bob, and in this case, also Claire, uh, Google image search a wrestler name and uh, tell me who they think this wrestler is, what their gimmick is. uh, And after that, we'll talk about who they actually are a little bit. And this one comes to us courtesy of our good friend on Twitter, Changing Shades. Changing Shades. Changing Shades suggested a wrestler by the name of Max Moon. So if you two want to just Google image search the name Max Moon, M-A-X-M-O-O-N, two separate words, uh, and tell me who you think this wrestler was. Oh. 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 Oh, my. Okay. Sure. Yeah, I'm getting some strong feelings. 
this is a Power Ranger, I, I think. Or, or or perhaps a Mega Man. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what we are looking at is a guy whose costume is predominantly blue with a red chest piece with... Pink chest piece. A pink chest piece with yellow print on it that looks almost like it meets in the middle, sort of like chest buckle harness things. And then silver piping, except it's oversized, so it's like shrunken pool noodles are attached at the shoulders and then at the forearms and then at the thighs. And then he's got stripes down the legs and a little (laughs) bit of a pink and black belt and then a face mask that's hiding not a whole lot of the face. The key parts where your identity might actually come from, which is your cheeks and your forehead are, (laughs) are hidden away. So no one could know who this is. The nose, mouth, chin, eyes, completely visible. And then a hairpiece? I think it's dreads. I don't know if that's his real hair or not, but I just wanted to say it's extremely busy. There's a lot of lines just all over this thing. Claire, as as an artist. Yes. If you were to design this costume, what would you be trying to convey with such a with such a mess? If I arrived at this as my endpoint, what was the prompt? Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Okay. Um, I do want to add in some of the photos of him. He also has these like oversized kind of like plastic forearm gauntlets yeah. that are extremely oversized and was the reason that I said Mega Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them have like little tubes coming out and maybe like little fake sci-fi guns. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. But I think here would be uh, the show. This is what this is for. It's like a, a tokusatsu TV show about a team of crime fighting luchadors. Okay. And every week there's a new villain they have to defeat. And it's some mundane object that gets magically transformed into a pro wrestler that they must defeat. I want to watch the show. And and this monster of the week is the like motherboard from an arcade machine, (laughs) like an old like Tron (laughs) arcade machine that got turned into a very angry guy who will fight them for about five minutes and then die and never be spoken of again (laughs) i am going to offer you a different pitch and say that this is for a early 90s kids saturday morning live action television show and it is also themed like heavily themed villains I want you to imagine a time before Buzz Lightyear, but whenever the spirit of Buzz Lightyear sort of lived in our hearts, but they're like, okay, so imagine a, a spaceman and people were like, oh yeah, I know what that is. In the 90s, no one knew what that was. And so it's that, and then they made him Captain Bucket Man. And so his <laughs> power is just, when you need a bucket, he's there with a bucket. <laughs> He's there with two buckets, one on each arm. Yeah. Captain Bucket Man. Okay. He's there to give you a bucket. That's what he's got those buckets on his arms. Uh, if I was making him a monster of the week who is a pro wrestler, uh-huh. I think I think the name I would go with is based on my concept, Circuit Breaker. Ooh, I like that. That's very good. 
I will say the merchandise for Circuit Breaker is going to sell a fuck of a lot better than Bucket Man. <laughs> <laughs> so Max Moon, this is the, we're talking about WWF in the early 90s, just before uh, Raw became a thing. At the time, there was a wrestler working for Vince McMahon by the name of Conan. <gasps> no fucking way! Now... Conan had an idea for a character, and this is, this is I'll, I'll just quote directly from Conan. I had actually seen it in Japan, and I had told Vince about it, and he liked the idea, you know, because it was really for kids. It was this robot that basically shot confetti, fire, and then we were going to do a thing where it was actually going to fly. We were going to put a jetpack on it. The fuck? It was going to fly <laughs> from the entrance to the ring, and it was just for kids. It was... <laughs> And then he goes on to basically talk about the fact that he then essentially there were like problems between him and management, and he basically like quit, like he basically walked off the job uh-huh. uh, before he could start playing this character. And another wrestler named Paul Diamond happened to fit the suit they had made. Okay. Oh no! So briefly in his career, because this shit did not last long. You don't say. The (laughs) jetpack didn't work? I don't think they even attempted to do the jetpack. I think maybe he might have worn one once or twice? But yeah, it's it's ultimately unclear what Vince thought he was presenting, but the long and short of it is, I guess, robot from the future? Wow. So, yeah, that is Max Moon, and uh, I am so glad that Changing Shades made that recommendation, and as soon as he did, I was like, well... I know who I'm going to make Claire image search. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you so much, Changing Shades, for that. Now we know about Max Moon, and now you all know this thing that you did not know before about pro wrestling. Claire, would you like to plug stuff? Yeah, I've been working on uh, a bunch of junk. So I do a monthly podcast with Chris Newton of Megadumbcast called Fuck, Mary Slay. It's somewhat similar to The Next Wrestling Fan in that it is the classic person who knows a thing, person who doesn't know the thing mm-hmm. set up, except person who knows the thing is Chris, person who doesn't know the thing is me, and the thing is the 90s role-playing game Vampire the Masquerade, which mm. uh, I am being exposed to through clan books, which are like learning about all the different diverse 90s-ass vampire clans in this role-playing game. And then at the end, we rate them and how much we want to fuck them, how much we wish to marry them, and how much we wish to slay them. And we make a bunch of silly jokes, and we write some fan fiction. And it's a grand old time. It's fantastic. fantastic it's so good. Show. It's so <laughs> worth the Patreon money. Give them a yeah. dollar, two dollars. Give them $80. It's great. Yeah, yeah, give Chris a dollar. Go on his Patreon for Mega Dumbcast, and then listen to our fun show. Um, the other thing is uh, I've been making some games on the website itch the first one that i made is a role-playing game called transatlantis which is a uh (laughs) it's a tabletop rpg where you play transgender sky pirates in the 22nd century trying to take back the earth after it has been colonized by evil space aliens that are trying to (laughs) extract all of the earth's resources and uh you also kind of have magic powers in your trans pirates Anyway, that's Transatlantis. It's very fun. 
and uh, it is a game specifically designed to turn you transgender in real life through the act of playing it. So be warned, if you play the game, you will become transgender. It has a 100% success rate. That's the promise. I'm married to a dude now. It happened. Yeah. Uh, I've also been working on another game that is not up on the website now, but most likely will be in some form when um, this episode comes out. Uh, I'm making a very silly top. I've not come up with a pitch for this game, so it's going to be a little off the cuff. But okay. a like top-down 2D space shooter called Hyperspace Lesbian Dragons, <laughs> <laughs> wherein you play a hyperspace dragon, which for all of you, if you do not know, is a dragon who lives in space and breathes solar fusion-powered fire and flies faster than the speed of light. And you have a girlfriend who is another hyperspace dragon, and she has been captured by evil robots, and you have to fly across space and rescue her. And along the way, you rescue other queer dragons of various sorts, <laughs> and they give you their powers as you try to rescue your girlfriend. Um, it is super fun and colorful and has like a great like uh, chiptune and synthwave soundtrack. And I did all of the art and programming and everything for it. So Holy um, yeah. shit. That's if amazing. If you want to check out both Transatlantis and Hyperspace Lesbian Dragons, you should go to itch.io slash profile slash crystal femme. One word. C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-F-E-M. Claire makes the best shit. Yeah. Give Claire your support and money. Or follow me on Twitter at Claire Mulcairn. Yeah. That's right. Well, Claire, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was an absolute delight having you. We will have yeah. to do it again sometime. Yes, we will. Oh, it was delightful. I, I love you too very much and uh, was very happy to get to spend some time with you. And, you know, Miles, I want to like wrestling and I try. And this time while watching this episode, I very much did. Do you think you might watch the next one just to see? I might. <sighs> NXT oh, does man. seem pretty nice. And if you want to get on board with the women's wrestling stuff, now is the fucking time to start watching it. Like, where we are okay. in the coverage, because, like... I do suspect that this episode had a very, very much above-average amount of shenanigans. Not that much higher than you might think. Okay. Higher, but not that much higher. Yeah, I would agree. Higher, but, like, not by as much as you're thinking about. Okay. Well, I liked the shenanigans. You will never not laugh at some point while watching an episode of NXT. I'll just tell you that right now. Well, that's about all we got for this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Thank you so much to Bob for joining us, and thank you to Claire Mulcairn for being here and talking about wrestling with us, which is a thing that I've always wanted to sit her down and make her do. (laughs) And talk about just how great girls are. Girls are really great. They're wonderful. I'm a big fan. Yeah! And if you liked Claire, and you did, because you're a human being and you've got a heart, or maybe you're an alien and you have a heart, but if you loved Claire and want to get more Claire and more of the Smash Fiction crew interacting, the MCU episode of Hard Choices has dropped on the Smash Fiction feed, so you can go check that out and hear the passionate feelings that we have for uh, Captain Marvel, among others. Scarlet Witch? Oh boy. Yeah, I was not on that episode because I didn't want to be, but it's the first hard choices that I got to like actually listen to because I wasn't a part of it, and it was like really fun. Like I was legitimately listening for it and reacting in real time. Oh yeah, oh that's a great one. Oh, what? What are you talking about, robot fuckers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you definitely go check that out. And if you want 
something even more insane than that, become a patron of the next wrestling fan or tighten up the defense or both because Mm. hub our guest from episode 36 sat down with me we watched scooby-doo and the curse of the speed demon hub watched it twice i watched it three times wow and we made a very long chunk of podcast about it and had many fascinating little detours into how we think jake the snake roberts might fight a deity all kinds of things Mm. And it is an in-depth look at this film and I think an in-depth look at what joy is, I think, is what we (laughs) found at the heart of this. The nougat, the creamy center. Check that out. It's on both of our Patreon feeds. It is one of the weirdest and most beautiful Frankenstein things we've ever created. And I'm very, very proud of it. And if I do say so myself, Hub and I... Pretty fucking delightful. <laughs> well, I could have told you that. Aww. You know what else is delightful? What's that? Miles's prose. Miles's craft of the written word. Miles, do you want to tell us about that? Uh, yeah. So by the time you're listening to this, if you're a $5 and up patron and you're getting your episode a little bit early, it might not be available on Patreon quite yet. But if you're listening to this on Saturday when it is scheduled to come out for everyone, then you should already have access, again, if you are a patron, to What If Cats But Pro Wrestling, which is the prose work of fiction that I have written in response to uh, y'all helping us reach our most recent goal on Patreon, which was uh, fantastic of you, and I appreciate it, and I hope you like what I'm writing. Um, I'm going to be honest, it got a little bit out of control. Uh, It's a pretty long little legitimate narrative story that I have crafted for you. I laughed many times while I was writing it, which is usually a good good. sign. And an even better sign is the fact that even more times while I was writing it, I like slapped my hand to my forehead and was like, this is so fucking stupid. What am I doing? Perfect. So that's, yeah, that's usually a really good sign that you've come up with something of quality. Uh, So hopefully that's the case. I hope you all enjoy it. And on that note... If you really enjoy the Scooby-Doo coverage that Hub and I did, let us know because Hub and I are open to peer pressure. So get in the comments and say something and who knows, maybe another one will appear and we will again spare Miles from having to engage with the dreaded specter of corporate synergy, which is the true monster that we are facing. Thank you so much to all of you out there, and we will see you in two weeks with a new episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Buenas noches! The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman and Megan Bob, with logo design by Claire Mulcairin. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo, spelled the French way. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at incompetech.filmmusic.io. We're on Twitter and Facebook as The Next Wrestling Fan and in the group The Smash Fiction Fan Faction. 
You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. The Next Wrestling Fan is made possible by our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to help us make this show possible, go to patreon.com slash NXT Wrestling Fan and join our fabulous stable of contributors. They're the best! If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. Does Mason Ryan look like what you thought he'd look like? Uh, you mean a literal horse? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kinda? <laughs> uh, he's beefier than I was expecting. You used the word pony, so I was expecting slightly diminutive. But he's like, oh. he's a large, he's a large he's man. He's the size of an actual pony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>Hi, you piece of shit volume adjuster. My least favorite thing about Audacity is that it decides what it decides what volume it thinks you should be at. It's like no. (laughs) I don't know how to turn it off. Have you looked up how to turn it off? I have admittedly I have not. I've put very little effort into this. Have have you have you ever tried? No, no, I prefer to curse the darkness, (laughs) as we say in our household. Would you like to learn something or curse the darkness? And the answer is always curse the darkness. Right, sure. Don't light that fucking candle, Miles. It's a trap.